evening. This is the Stay at Home Mom Power Hour with your host, Kristen Joy. It has been a sweltering hot couple of days out here in Oklahoma. And I am telling you, we have had the weirdest weather. Don't even get me started on the weirdness and the whys and the maybes. But we had the month of April was drought stricken and fires throughout the entire state for the whole month. May, we had some kind of like abnormally high temperatures. And then come June, we all our temperatures dropped down and we had flooding and torrential downpours. And now we just went straight into the triple digits for the last part of this month. That's really changed up our planning and our scheduling and how we do things. Um, so for example, instead of getting out of the house at 10 in the morning to go do whatever for a little while while we're on summer break, we're getting out of the house at 7.30 to 8.30 in the morning. Obviously, we kind of had to like pivot here, you know, take a hard left turn. And that actually is bringing me right into the topic for our third episode in the Homeschooling 101 series. And that's going to be all about planning. And I love planning. I am a planner person. Um, I know there are some people who say with their ADD that planners don't work for them. Planners and calendars work for me with my ADD. If I write the same thing down in enough (laughs) spaces and have a uh, visual cues, you know, in enough places, then I'm going to be on top of about 90% of the things I need to do. So like I have a calendar hanging up in my kitchen. I have a calendar for, um, you know, our homeschool tracking, whatever. I have my weekly planner, my daily checklist to do planner, um, my podcasting. I just turned it into my podcasting planner and of course our homeschooling planner. And when I was also in college, I had my planner for that. So yes, I am a planner person. Um, I like to plan. I like to schedule. I like to tweak ways of doing things to see how it's going to better suit us. And the thing about planning and scheduling, as you will learn as you go through your first year in in homeschooling, is that it's going to change exponentially. Okay. Um, Remember in the last episode I talked about, you know, around six months, you're going to pivot. You're going to change everything. And that's okay. And your planning is probably going to go with it. So we actually have a lot to cover today. So I'm going to invite you to pause this real quick. Um, Grab a notebook, grab your pen. Um, If you want something to drink or snack on, do that. And I, I recommend doing this when you can actually listen to it, whether that's after the kids have gone to bed, during nap or rest time, um, whatever quiet time you have in your day. If you need to listen to it five, 10 minutes at a time, do that. There's a lot of information and it, it can feel overwhelming. Um, and the reason why I say it can feel overwhelming is because so many people have a way that works best for them. 
And so they will write only about that one way. Okay, why you should try this, why this is the best way. And so you are chasing different scheduling types. You go on to a group forum and you're going to have a very vociferous opinions on what the best type of scheduling is. I'm going to pivot there again. Apparently pivot is my word of the day. And I'm going to go through quite a lot of them with you. I will tell you which ones I prefer and I'll give you a brief why, but I'm going to go through a lot of different types of scheduling, just like there's a lot of different types of teaching philosophies out there and homeschooling curriculums out there. There are also about a bazillion and one different ways to plan your days or your weeks or your homeschool years. You could even plan all the way out to their senior year if you really wanted to. I've even been watching some videos about that lately. That's kind of blowing my mind too. <laughs> so um, very first thing, get yourself some kind of planner. Okay. The, the very veteran moms, um, some of them will simply write down everything they need to do in a notebook. Um, I personally need an actual planner to help me feel more compartmentalized and be able to focus on things. And I would suggest as a newbie homeschooling mom to get yourself a basic planner as well. I actually highly recommend the Mardell A Simple Plan homeschooling planner. Um, I've even seen very secular moms choose that one because the layout works best for them. It's, um, it's very easy to use. You have lots of room for lots of kids. There's planning pages there. Um, there's ways to make it as detailed or as basic as you want it. And what she does, um, is if she doesn't like the the proverb or the scripture that's at the beginning of each month, she simply covers it up with a piece of paper that has a, a saying or a quote that she likes better. Very simple. And that all goes back to it should not matter what ideology things are if it works for you and it works for your kids. So for your very first year of homeschooling, don't buy the super bougie, expensive homeschool planner until you've really gotten your feet wet. Get a good, get the good Mardell one, okay? If you want to spend a little more, get something a little bit fancier. The Erin Condren one or the Happy Planners are very nice. Erin um, Condren's ones are made for school teachers at public schools, so they're going to have a lot of different things in there that you might not need, like grading, uh, attendance, um, field trip information, you know, things like that, email communications, you might not need that, but that is a very good planner as well. I have used that one. Um, I just ordered myself an Anna Vance this year. I went ahead and kind of treated myself for my birthday. Um, those ones are very very pricey. And if it was not a birthday present to myself, I, I would not have been able to justify it. And, and I even justified it as I have not gotten anything for my birthday in like four years. So I was like, okay, 20 bucks a year for four years. I can afford that. <laughs> 
<laughs> all right but yeah get the mardell planner for your first year of homeschooling it will make your life a lot easier now um now we're gonna start getting into the nitty-gritty you want to first take a look at your family your needs your commitments and how you are going to need to run your days are you working from home is your partner working from home do you work part-time do you work full-time if you do work what are your hours how are you going to work around that um if you have kids who are heavy into sports or the arts and they need to make extra practices and competitions you're going to need to work your schooling around that if you have very little ones like i do you're going to have to work around that even because their nap times can interrupt things just their high energy can interrupt things when you're just trying to get something done because as we all know toddlers have a mind of their own oh my god that'll be another episode for another day um maybe you have a farm or a homestead or a ranch and so you have lots of chores that you have to take care of before you can start homeschooling um even taking in things into consideration like the seasons uh so for example for us living in the south southern united states obviously the summers are wicked hot right and they stay hot and we're not talking northern hot like you know 85 to 90 degrees we're talking 96 to 112 for days on end weeks on end with no reprieve and it can start anywhere from may or april all the way up to november so a good half of our year is just summer <laughs> it's just summer and so we again my word of the day pivot and so when we're in our very very hot days and we've started homeschooling up again in july we don't do homeschooling first thing in the morning because otherwise we get done with school and it's too hot to go anywhere and do anything. And so they're just pent up, need to get all this energy out and they have nowhere to go and nothing to do. Hi, cat. You do not need to be in here laying on that paper. Thanks. Um, Y'all are going to have to excuse my cat. He's decided that my kid's birthday tissue paper is the place to lay. Anyway, um, so getting back to things. So we do our outside time first thing in the morning. We go somewhere, do something fun, you know, take a field trip, go meet up with friends, whatever it may be. Come back, eat lunch, and then do homeschool in the hot part of the day. Now this can drag on a little bit. The, you know, everyone's kind of tired by then. They're not really wanting to do a whole lot. So you even have to find different ways of doing things. Maybe you're going to do a little bit less and draw out your homeschool year a little bit longer. Um, maybe you'll just keep the lessons shorter. There are so many different ways of doing this. So many different ways of doing it. There's the classical uh, kind of true to public school schedule where you can start at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. and do school with a nice long break all the way up to about three o'clock in the afternoon. Again, I 
and several hundred thousand other homeschooling moms will tell you, don't, don't do that. You can do that, but it's not going to work out. It will build a lot of resentment and you will burn out and your kids will burn out. It's not worth it. And you don't have enough work in a day really to do all of that. And you can't keep your kids attention for that long in a manner that is going to make them actually absorb anything. Depending on the age of the kid, you can look up online approximately what their attention span is going to be and how much work they should and can be doing at a time. So my going into fourth grader, he's up to about two, two and a half to three hours of being able to just work steady. My going into second grader, he has very bad ADHD. So his attention span is already way shortened. Um, so I try to keep him to about one to two hours a day, depending on his attention span and how motivated he feels that day. The preschooler does about 30 minutes to 45 minutes a day. That's actually on the higher end of things. And we don't do that every single day. On days where I see I can push him, we push a little harder, a little bit longer. On days where his attention is just not having it, we do 15, 20 minutes, I cut it off. And then I just invite him to play and hang out with us while the others do their homeschooling. Uh, The baby is a baby. And we just try to make it through the day with him at this point, honestly. All right. So there's that one. There are also, you can start at any time of the day. You can do it any day of the week. We've done ours on weekends before. Uh, like I said, in the summer, we don't start schooling until around lunchtime And then in the winter, obviously, the colder months, we're doing our school uh, pretty much first thing in the morning, trying to get it done by lunchtime, and then using that little bit of warmer time to go outside, play, and do things. Um, And even within that, there are so many variables, and there's a lot of flexibility to be had. But that, that is the first and foremost thing that you need to do is take a look at your family's commitments and your schedules and your needs and start building around that. Okay. Once you get a rough idea of the hours that you need to do for homeschooling, the days that are going to work best for it, whether evening or daytime, early morning, breaking it up into two segments throughout the day, however that is start jotting down uh, what you think you should be spending time-wise on each subject. Now, again, as a first-year homeschooling family, I go very Charlotte Mason, and I say keep the lessons short because you can always build on more. If the kids are interested, if they're into something, you're going to know, you're going to see it, and you're going to be able to take that for longer. If they're not digging it, If they're having a very hard time, if there's a lot of rebellion, you remind them it's only 20 minutes and then you move on to the next thing. 
Also, another very Charlotte Mason-y thing that I feel is very beneficial to homeschoolers and especially new homeschoolers is the in-breath and out-breath, or they call it inhale and exhale. You can go look up some YouTube videos um, about Simply Charlotte Mason, and they, they have great explanations, explanations, very detailed about what this entails. But essentially, it means getting a large chunk of of time for your kids to do work by having things that are an in-breath such as sitting down uh, reading seat work math things like that and then exhale the out breath maybe they're standing to do an art project uh, maybe they're singing maybe there's a little bit of PE or perhaps you're playing a, a phonics game that has some motion in it or something some people might call these brain breaks, but they're actually the continuation of lessons just done in different ways. Standing up, sitting down, uh, those those little deviations help the brain kind of stay focused without completely zoning out. So for first year homeschoolers, I really recommend those two things. Short lessons and in-breath and out-breath or you know alternating between sitting and standing during subjects um, following a, a seat work with a more interactive subject to kind of help keep them focused and uh, wanting to keep learning for a longer period of time um, is something else that I am a huge advocate of is a rhythm versus a strict schedule now again, I have ADD, so just naturally a rhythm is going to work better for me. A strict schedule might work better for someone who's doing classical conversation style homeschooling um, or someone who's trying to replicate the classroom or someone who's just type A and that their family thrives on very intense structure. Again, me personally and my belief for first year homeschooling families is having a rhythm is a lot better. So for me, I even take that a step further and I have my block scheduling, my morning, my afternoon, my evening. And I know, for example, in my morning block, there's all the time to get ready, um, feeding the kids and everything. And then I have a general time that we start school and generally, uh, let's say it's the colder months. Generally, we start school around 8.30 to 9 o'clock. I give myself a 30-minute leeway because maybe the baby's being super fussy. Maybe I haven't gotten any sleep the night before and I'm moving a little slower. I don't get my exercise in until a little later. Whatever the deal is, 8.30 to 9 o'clock is when we're starting. I know we're homeschooling up until lunchtime, so between 11.30 and 12 o'clock. So I have that block of the morning and then let's go into the rhythm of that. We come in, we know we start school. Usually we start with like some affirmations or maybe a quick super yoga, something that kind of sets the tone and says, okay, we're ready. We're about to do the thing. Some, a lot of um, families do morning baskets, which is a kind of circle time. And in a morning basket, you might do your family read aloud. A lot of people do devotions during that time. Um, our family does affirmations, like I said. 
they might play a game. They might even throw in like their, um, their loop lessons like science or history, social studies, whatever. They might do that. Maybe they do their journaling during that time or they draw. Um, it's just kind of an easy, a way to ease into your lessons um, that has the same rhythm to it every single day. Um, for us, we did our affirmations and our yoga, like I said, and then normally we would start in on our literature. So one kid's probably going to be reading to himself. Uh, another one I'm doing the read alouds for, or they're doing independent reading at that time while I start work with the preschooler and kind of get him knocked out of the way. Then after that, we move on to, you know, our out breath. Then we're going to work on some phonics. We're like, we're hopping around and doing some games or playing a math game or something more interactive there. We continue that back and forth um, up until about lunchtime. If we still have some things left to do, we break, have lunch, regroup after, and that's usually when we're doing our like family uh, lessons, science, history, yada, yada, yada. After that, we know there's, you know, a list of things that they have to finish before they're allowed to have screen time um, and et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of how our rhythm goes for the day and with our block scheduling there. Now, let's break that down even further. We, if you go back to my episode one, um, I talk about some of my non-negotiables for homeschooling every single day. And again, my non-negotiables are literature and writing, math, and some form of language arts. That's it. Those are my absolute non-negotiables. If we complete those, then I know my kids will fill in the gaps for the day on their own, or we'll simply regroup the next day. Um, now after the non-negotiables, we have what I have discovered, um, is a good idea to use is loop scheduling. Now in the beginning, when I was way overly ambitious and I was very rigid, I was trying to cram every single subject in every single day. And God, the more I talk about this, the worse I feel for my eldest and I, I wish I could go back and kick myself in the butt and be like, Kristen, you're stressing everybody out, including yourself, knock the crap off. And he tried so hard. Oh my, he was, he was game. He, he humored me so badly and he tried his darndest, a sweet little thing. Um, but I tried cramming in every single subject, every single day. And at one point I was so ambitious and I was like, so overwhelmed. I was actually trying to teach him three different curriculums at the same time. It was too much. It was so much. It was ridiculous. And so I started a reading about loop scheduling. And at first I very much balked at it because it was a control issue for me. And I was like, if I don't do it every single day, they won't retain anything and they won't this and they won't that. Those were simply my control issues, my ego being fed, my victim trying to create this loop, right? Of, well, I'm a failure if I don't do this. No, 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 no. This isn't about us. It's about our kids. 
right? And what are we doing? <gasps> What's best for our kids? That's right. Say it with me, people. Okay, so I found out about loop scheduling. It's amazing. And there are about a bazillion and three different ways to do loop scheduling. Um, and if you really want to go into the nitty gritties of loop scheduling, go on a Pinterest, look it up. You will be able to find a plethora of very detailed accounts from other homeschooling moms on exactly what they do. For me, mine is pretty basic because I've become a pretty basic homeschooling mom. Um, and yes, I do love my pumpkin spice lattes. It's a thing. I, I'm a basic B. I'm a basic B. Give me my fall sweaters, whatever. Anyway. Um, so for our loop scheduling, I like to do science twice a week, history once a week, geography and social studies combined together once a week. And then, you know, if we have anything left over, we need to do on the last day, we do that, or I just leave it as is. Um, and then when we come down to the fine arts, I like to do French twice a week, music once a week, art twice a week, and cooking once a week. And you're kind of sitting there. I can tell, I can tell you're sitting there going, but how do they learn anything? If you don't drill it into their heads every single day, how will they learn anything? Because when you're not drilling everything into their head over and over and over, that's when they actually absorb it. Because if you watch your kids, they will just find the most random fact that they hear in passing and latch on to that dang thing. And then they'll find out more random facts to go with that first random fact. They, they literally are just little sponges. So if you present the material in an interesting way and you combine a lesson with an activity and videos and maybe a trip somewhere um, and a journal entry, I mean, you're like jam packing that all into one to do days. And they will be able to tell you so much about it. And then you can just talk about it on, on the other days, like just randomly, casually at dinner, bring up, Oh, Hey, do you guys remember what we did? You know, why don't you tell dad about X, Y, Z that we did for science or, uh, that project we're working on for history. Like, what do you remember about this? What, what part do you find interesting? And just having those casual conversations is still schooling. Um, but you're, you're doing it in a discourse format and that's going to get their little brain cells pinging and they're actually going to be able to remember a whole hell of a lot. Um, having both fiction and nonfiction books on a topic that you're learning about helps a lot because your kids will be able to take the, um, the fiction and apply it to the nonfiction that they're reading. It's pretty, pretty interesting to see how that goes. Um, now, so we have discussed loop scheduling, uh, weekly planning using the rhythm method as opposed to a strict scheduling. And again, I'm not opposed to a strict schedule, but I have personally found that as newer homeschool parents, it's better to have a rhythm. The less expectations you can have on yourself, the better. And the less 
pressure you have on your children to conform to certain standards that you both are not ready for will help them as well. And they will feel so much more confident about things. Now, moving on, moving on. Um, We've already talked about the seasonal and not only am I going to talk about the seasonal now, but talk about the field trips as well. Um, Because one of the whole reasons that people love homeschooling so much is the freedom and the flexibility that it affords them. And you you are definitely going to want to take these amazing field trips to coincide with what you're learning about. And it doesn't have to be anything like super crazy. Um, We learned about space last year and here in Oklahoma, there's actually quite a few air and space museums. So we made a trip out to the air and space museum in Tulsa and then also went to the gathering place. Amazing park, by the way, if you ever find yourself in Oklahoma, go to Tulsa and go to the gathering place. It is phenomenal. And then we also went out the other way to West Oklahoma, where there's the Stafford Air and Space Museum. And we've been there about mm, two or three times now. It's it's pretty awesome. Um, so those were easy little day trips, but we planned around them. Um, plan out your field trips in advance that you intend on doing. They don't have to be detailed, but put them into a rough idea of when in your academic year you would like to do them. Um, do you want to do them in the middle of your, of your semester? Do you want to do them at the end of the year? Do you want to intersperse them monthly? How do you want to do this? And remember, absolutely anything can be a field trip. You can call up the fire department. You can call up the police department. You can talk to a dentist, a baker, a farmer, call the university around you. If you have one and talk to their department head or secretary or assistant or whatever of whatever subject you're learning about that you think you might be able to talk to somebody. Um, for example, we had someone who knew people down at the University of Oklahoma and they worked in the aerospace engineering and my kids got to go visit the, you know, Department of Aerospace and Engineering down at the University of Oklahoma and follow them around through the laboratories and ask them like eight bazillion questions and get to see all kinds of cool stuff that they probably would normally not get to see otherwise, especially in a public school setting. Um, one of our neighbors keeps bees. So we had a little field trip just down to our neighbors to see, you know, a beekeeper and what they do and how they do things. All these little things can add up and be incredible learning experiences and definitely count towards your school hours, your school days, and any um, requirements that you might have to meet depending on the state you're living in. But make sure to plan them in advance. I love to be spontaneous. I really, really do. But when it comes to major field trips that coincide with what we're learning, I like to have them interspersed or have one in the middle 
of what we're learning to kind of break up the monotony and then maybe another big field trip at the end of the year with lots of like little ones throughout the year. Um, Also plan on getting some memberships if you can swing it. Look for when uh, Zoom memberships go on sale, Science Museum memberships go on sale, or ask you know, family members to pitch in for, you know, a birthday or Christmas or something. Hey, instead of this present, would you mind pitching in to get us a membership for this or this or this? Those are such great experiences. Um, They can be used for anything and also just for days when you guys need a break. It's nice to just know you can go somewhere that's already paid for that you don't have to worry about paying again and again and again. And most places, when you have a membership, if you go about two times with your family, it's already bought and paid for. And after that, it's just like free for them. If you know, if you think about it, um, like our zoo membership and our science museum membership, both of those are paid for within two trips for our large family. And we utilize those, I don't even know how many times throughout the year. We've already gone to the zoo five times since we bought our membership in January, February. So we're averaging about one to two times a month. Same with our science museum membership. And they're just, they're so great to have on hand. They really, really are. So if you can swing it, if you can save up for it, if you can ask other people to pitch in, do it. Just do it. You will be so glad that you did. Um, so we're going to circle back around real quick to the academic planning and We've talked about the in-breath and out-breath. We've talked about keeping lessons short for the first year unless your kids look like they're ready to push on. The last thing that I'm going to recommend as a new homeschooling family when it comes to your planning and you're planning out specifically your days and your weeks and more specifically your days is if you have to pick and choose when to do your seat work versus more interactive things. And maybe you're finding that, you know, the in-breath, out-breath is is working, but it's just not going to work for whatever schedule you need. I would say do the more interactive things that require more brain work and more body work in the morning or in the first part of your schooling day, whatever time of day that might be. And then leave the seat work, the things that, you know, are quiet and being done independently for a little bit later. You guys will all be tired. And if you do the quote, boring stuff first, they're going to be burned out and not want to have anything left to do with all the, the fun little extras or handicrafts or art projects or anything like that. So if you can do those things in the, in the beginning of your school day, um, when they have a little bit more energy and a little bit more brain function going on, and then leave the more, a little bit tedious, monotonous stuff for later in the day. That's always a winner as well. 
I wish you the best of luck in your planning. Don't be afraid to play around with things, okay? Don't be afraid even for the first six weeks that you're doing homeschooling. Every two weeks, it seems like you're trying out a new schedule to see what works best for your family, especially if you have children who are still napping like I do. Um, he's got my littlest one is very high energy, shall we say. And so the best way to get him to nap time is just to get him out of the house as much as possible. And then we try to cram in, um, as much work as we can in the time that he's sleeping. And that's when we do our family style lessons and we do the things that I know they're going to need more help with, like their math, maybe spelling, language arts, things like that. And then we leave the independent reading, um, quiet projects to do that I know they can do on their own for when he's awake after that. So again, there's so many variables and I hope I was able to cover a few of these things for you at least give you a jumping off point. And there's absolutely no way that I would be able to cover all of all of the different ways that you can plan your homeschool days in just this, this one short segment. Um, I personally don't want to because I don't want to overwhelm people any more than they already feel overwhelmed. And also, um, I'm tired because it's 10 o'clock at night here and I know that baby's going to wake up anytime. I just know it. <laughs> so I'm going to leave you with where we are. I'm going to real quick recap here. Um, try to have a rhythm versus a strict schedule. Look at the needs uh, of your family before you start planning out any of your days Take a look at the subjects that you have and see how you can rearrange them so that you have an in-breath and out-breath. Try limiting your lessons to about 20 minutes for the first year of homeschooling or at the very least the first six months till you guys are finding your stride. Try to leave seat work for later in the day if you have to. Play around with loop scheduling so you and your kids don't get burned out. Get the Mardell planner. Just get the Mardell planner for your first year and then chuck it and get another one after that. If you, <laughs> if you want plan the school field trips, look through your curriculum ahead of time and plan the field trips. So you can plan for those. If you need to save up money, make arrangements, whatever, buy the memberships, whatever the memberships that you think are going to be beneficial for your kids, buy at least one to two memberships, uh, for the year and make it work. And that I think is where I'm going to leave it for today. This has been a fairly long one, but there's so much to cover. I hope that you were able to take some notes. I hope you were able to get a little bit of clarity and maybe a little bit of a confidence boost going, okay, I can look into this and I can look into this and I have a great planner that just got recommended and I'll start being able to figure this out. I wish you well on your journey. I will see you next time for our next episode. And I hope you have a wonderful night. Stay cool. Um, if you're up north in the States, um, I hope your smoke clears out very soon. I know how awful that is when you can't even be outside due to the smoke. And 
I hope you walk away with your, your three C's calm, collected, and confident. Take care of you. Have a good night. Bye.